I told our staff today, or la- you know, last night whenever I was working on the sermon um, or the talk, there's there's times where I just I have a um, I'm gonna start screaming in a second, so you need to bring me down. There's a, there's times whenever I'm preparing, I told the Lord this that I know that I'm not gonna get the talk just because I have a sense that God's doing something and that I'm just not on the right track. And so he usually takes me out by having lots of testimonies in prayer. And so I stand up with six minutes left now. I'm not surprised. I said that in the prayer too. This is what um, I want to talk. You know, we are so blessed to have, um, you know, Lex and Paul as our worship leaders. One of the things that they do. We're not that blessed. But we are very blessed. But one of the things that, uh, that I love about, um, you know, again, leading River City Church is that we talk about things like, you know, God, we don't want to talk about what God has said. We want to talk about what God is saying. We don't want to know what God did. We want to know what God is doing. And one of the ways that God speaks to our church and he, and he helps me lead the church is he reveals what he wants us to know through the songs that Paul and Lex write. Uh, about worship. And I tell them, I'm like, I don't care if they're horrible. I want to hear them. I want to know because whatever is coming out of your heart is a response to what the Holy Spirit wants us to know in River City Church, what he's doing at River City Church today. And, um, you know, I have a sermon that's prepared and, and it's, the, it's on the verses basically, you know, uh, when Jesus came into the Gal- Galilee proclaiming the gospel, saying, Repent and believe the kingdom of God is near. That has nothing to do with what God is doing this morning. Um, what God is doing this morning, uh, we began to understand when Paul's kind of that first song that he spoke about, that we sang together, it was called Majesty and Mystery, and why do you hide your face from me? Don't turn away or abandon me. In your mercy, hear me sing, hear me sing. I need your love to light the way and the hope you give to be my strength. I will search to find your heart because I know with you I'm safe. Lead me out of my distress, guard my soul, and deliver me. And then at the end, when we are singing that, that stanza um, about God's love, the Father's love and needing to hear his love, and then Paul began to sing. And again, this is what we talk about when we talk about the prophetic. He began to sing a, a line that he'd never sung before about that song. And everyone in the audience, whenever he heard those words, initially your response was probably, the, the words were, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I have a sense that your response or what you heard whenever you heard Paul sing that was from God saying to us, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's not what Paul was singing about. Paul was singing about us calling out to God saying, God, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Father, do you love me? That's what we just sung about. That's the cry of our heart. That's the, that's the question that drives life, that brings hope, that brings meaning. Yet when we hear those words, it's so easy for us to receive the exact opposite, to think the exact opposite because of how we've been conditioned in the church over the years in our relationship to God. And one of Jesus' greatest struggles, one of his greatest problems was getting people to see and understand the kingdom of God correctly. And a lot of times, it was exactly the opposite of the way people perceived it. I was going to show a clip, a Seinfeld clip this morning of George Costanza in Seinfeld where, it's where he does the exact opposite of everything that he knows he should be doing. 
Because he says that when he acts as he knows he should act, everything in his life just goes whacked out bad. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the clip begins in this diner where he orders the exact opposite food. And then there's a woman in the diner that overhears him. And normally he doesn't go talk to her. But instead he does the opposite and goes and talks to her. She says his name. And normally he would lie. And he says, I'm a bald man with no money living with my parents. And she's like, really? You know, and it leads into this relationship. And the next scene is him driving in the car with her and her saying, you know, I think, why don't you come up to my apartment? It's early. And his response is, I really don't think that's a good idea. And she's like, George, George, who, who are you? Well, what kind of man are you? And his, and his, his response is, I'm the opposite of every man that you've probably ever known. But the kingdom of God, when Jesus came to bring, to usher in the kingdom, one of the things he had to get over, one of the hurdles, one of his greatest hurdles was the kingdom of God is the opposite of everything that you've ever known. And today we still struggle with that hurdle. That's the number one thing that I think we struggle with. And so when we hear these words about Jesus, the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. When I hear, when I tell you those words, repent and believe in the gospel, what do you think about? What does that make you feel? Ooh, that makes me feel kind of guilty. I mean, what's associated with those words? Guilt and condemnation. Because normally, when we think about those words, it's somebody who starts talking like this, and then before they're done, this gets louder and louder and louder, repent and believe! And that's kind of how the words are communicated to us, aren't they? And there's a part of us that's like, I'll do whatever you want, just quit screaming at me. And so there's this, there's this, you know, the way those words have been communicated in our life, what we've been communicated about those words in our life, what we've been taught about those words in our life, have given us a totally wrong perception, meaning, and understanding of what Jesus was trying to communicate. When I started hearing these words, when I was, and, and, and I want to talk about that today, because that does fit the message that I think Christ has, or that God wants us to know about his love today, because I think that God wants us to know that, that, that that's the last thing that the kingdom of God is about. The last thing the kingdom of God is about, and the kingdom of God coming is about, and those words are about, is about you feeling guilty, about you feeling condemned, about you feeling like you need to stop. I mean, basically, one commentator says, whenever you hear those words, this is what you really think. You think, okay repent and believe, that means I got to stop like having sex with people I just met. I need to stop like drinking too much. I need to stop smoking too much. I need to stop looking at that person too much. I need to stop making fun of this person. I need to stop this. I need to stop this. I need to stop this. And I need to like start doing religious stuff and spiritual stuff. That's what we think that that really means. We think it means stopping this one thing and starting to do these like churchy things and like find our inner child in the heart of Jesus kind of language and like all this stuff. That's what we think about when we hear repent and believe. It's like we want to stop doing our private sin that no one knows about and start acting publicly like we think God wants us to. And if we do that, then we get to be a part of his kingdom. We get, he loves us more. He likes us more. And, and again, some of that has been communicated in a way non-verbally and verbally, where you, if you don't do you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's, am I right? I'm telling you, why pastors and preachers feel the need to escalate their voice in their communication, I have no idea. But for some reason, 
there's this emphasis given, like there's more power in the words or something. And I just don't get it. Or like somehow they're going to scare you into the kingdom of God. I mean, if you think about Jesus, if you think about God and the history of God and how he works, he, those were none of, none of his tactics were like that. Jesus was never like that. Jesus was very passionate, but he never, I just don't see Jesus walking down Galilee, you know, walking through the streets and kind of like just using that kind of language in a way that would bring condemnation and guilt. God doesn't need to use those things. He wants to use love. But as I was growing up and I became a Christian, I started teaching, you know, you start like there's certain verses that are really written a lot of about. And this is one of them because it's central. This is the first thing that Jesus says in his public ministry. So it's very important. And so you learn things like, well, what does it mean to, to repent? What does repent mean? Well, it means to stop. It means to turn around and to go the other direction. It's a Greek word for metanoia. It means to turn around, you know, all this stuff. You learn all these things. And so you do like, you know, so you're going this way and you do this and then you hear Jesus come, and now you're going this way and you're going God's way and he loves you and all this thing. I mean, that's kind of, that's one of the messages that we that we hear, and I, I, I believe there's some truth to that. I believe there's some truth to that, but I don't think that that's all the truth there is to that, because it, again, it places a lot of emphasis on us, that God's agenda is somehow dependent on us doing this thing, and that if we don't do this repent and believe thing, then all of a sudden the kingdom of God is going to come to a stop kind of crazy to think that, isn't it? And as I was praying about this verse last night, and I was thinking about today what God's trying to communicate to us, is that, is that, you know, these words that Jesus spoke have everything to do with you understanding God's love for you, have everything to do with him wanting you to be a part of this great plan that's getting ready to take place. And in order for you to be a part of this great plan to understand God's love, to participate in God's love, one of the things you're going to have to do is to lay down your agenda and join his. And so these words, repent and believe, only have value in the context of being a part of something new that God is doing. And so the value of these words, repent and believe, only mean anything if we understand them in what we call the kingdom context. And we know that Jesus means these things because we can look at the words that he used, repent and believe, and we can look at what those words mean in the culture of the Jewish people and what was really happening. You see, one of the, one of the things, one of the struggles is that we're not Jewish. I mean, Craig is, but I don't know if he's here today, but he might know what it really means. I should have called him last night. But, um, but back in, in the ancient Near East in Jesus' time, you know, a lot of the language they used meant something totally different because of the context of the language. And one of the ways that you learn about what something means is by looking at how those words were used by other people during the same time period. Does that make sense? Good. Because luckily for us, there was this Jewish dude named Josephus who used these exact words. And Josephus wasn't even a Christian. He was born a few years after the crucifixion of Jesus, but he has a lot of written work out there. There's an autobiography that he writes and he talks about, in his there's an example of him using these words in his autobiography. And basically, he's an aristocrat representing the Jews. And there's this like, there's this like uh, he writes about this. There's this uh, kind of rebellion that's getting ready to take place by the Galilean Jews. They're going to storm Rome. And so 
Josephus is sent out to them with this message. You guys need to chill out. You need to relax. And you need to trust that the, the way that we are working out this with the Roman government is better than the way you're planning on working this out with the Roman government. And the words that Josephus used were, you need to repent and believe in me. That's the language that Josephus used. Meaning, you need to lay down your agenda and the way that you're planning and you're working on doing this and trust that the way we are going to work this out, the way that we're going to bring this about is the better way. So you need to repent and believe in me. And so in the context of of that language, in the kingdom context, what God is wanting us to understand is this. I have this great plan I'm getting, to un- I'm getting ready to unfold. One author, N.T. Wright, says that uh, it's like God is beginning a new play or a drama. And he's looking for people to be a part of it. It's the greatest drama ever, ever written. And, and, and when, you get, when you're in the drama, everyone gets a lead part. Everyone gets to play. And, and it's, just, it's just a great story. And, he, and Jesus is going around announcing the kingdom of God, this drama, and saying, I'm looking for people to be in the play. Do you want to be in the play? If you want to be in the play, then you need to stop being in your own play, set down your agenda for life, and come discover my father's agenda, the excitement my father has for you. And so repent and believe. Don't trust in your way, but come and trust in my father's. And in doing so, what happens is Jesus is not wanting us to feel condemned. He's not wanting us to feel guilty. He's not wanting none of that. He's inviting us into a love story. He's inviting us into the greatest story ever told, whereby which he's communicating to us the message we sing about this morning. Do you want to have that answered? Do you want to know if I love you? Then repent and believe and come be a part of my story. Because you can't be a part of my story and not know that I love you. You can't be a part of all that I'm doing because so much of it is about my love for you. You can't, you won't miss it. I started saying all those, those words that, again, as Paul just started saying kind of prophetically over us, those words of love and blessing, again, many of us were receiving them in exactly the opposite way. You know, and those words, what were the, la- what were the words of this, that, that last song, Paul? You don't remember. Wouldn't leave me freaking hanging there, chief. Something to do with love. My song will be I love you. Yeah, there it is right there. My song will be I love you. My song will be I love you. I will sing I love you. You are my everything. What if we, what if, what if we were to sing that song again and God was singing it to you? That's what the kingdom of God is about. That's the play. That's the story that you're being called into. Into a relationship with the king of the universe who is not waiting for you to say this to him, but whose greatest desire is for you to know that he is singing this over each and every one of you. That's the story of the kingdom of God. That's the play that we're being called to be a part of. That's the hope that you need to leave with today, is that God's singing over you, that my song will be that I love you. I love you. And that I will always sing that I love you. And that you are my everything. You are my everything. 
I tell this to people, and I don't know how theologically correct it is, but I really believe it. So I'm going to tell you. Joey, stop the CD. We go through our Christian life believing that God wants something from us. That he, that he wants something from us. When I think his heart is for us to know more than anything that he has something for us. That's not what the, is theologically incorrect. This is what's theology. You see, before the creation of the world, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit had perfect communion with each other, perfect love relationship with each other, perfect forever, for all history. It says that they were together in perfect relationship. And the only thing that they didn't have was you. They want you to know the love that they have with each other. They want you to experience that love. They want you to know that they sing that love over you. They want you to know that you are everything. They have everything. You are the only everything. Your heart, your involvement, and their love story is what is missing. And today, this morning, what God wants you to leave with is the understanding that he has something for you. And it's his love. He wants to pour out his love over you this morning. That He sings these words over you. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And his kingdom, the message of his kingdom is that I love you. There's something great getting ready to kick off. And I want you to be a part of it. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to move all the chairs back to the soundboard right now. And we're going to get everybody. No one's going to leave right now because we're not done. I'm not done. God's not done. So we're going to move all the chairs right now, and we're just going to invite God to, to say those things to us, for the Holy Spirit to come and help us to believe that those words are true, that those words are from God to us, that he has that for us this morning. And Paul's going to come, and we're going to sing that refrain again, understanding it from God's perspective to us, and we're just going to receive it. Okay, all right, so come and fill up the space. So this is what's going to happen, is, is Paul is going to, we're going to sing this song again, but now with your enlightened mind from my great teaching on the kingdom of God, you're going to receive it differently. You're not going to be wondering if God loves you, or you're not going to be wondering if you love God. I want you to just listen and receive the truth that God, his desire is for you to receive his love. That his kingdom is about you hearing and responding to his love for you. Everyone scoot up a little. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have ministry. We're going to go right in from this for ministry. Not everyone's going to fit. You can still get, like spread out in the seats back there. We can't take half the space in the room and fit everyone in it. And be all kind of closeness and stuff. And you feel like other people are loving me too and it's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> you still need some space. And if you're in the balcony and you can't get down... 
or you don't want to get down because you don't love Jesus as much as the people down here, that's okay. That's all right. God still loves you. No, I'm just kidding. But you can stand where you are. I want everyone to stand, though, in a posture of just, okay, if I make everyone stand, then if you came with someone that you don't want to know that you really want to be down here, you can still receive what God has for you. And we don't do this every week, and so uh, we're just going to see what God has for us. I think, again, like, a lot of people came today singing that song, you know, that God, that was the song in your heart, you know, does God love me? I've been crying out to you. Where are you? I know there's safety with you, but you're not around. And this morning, God wants you to know his love. He wants you to leave understanding this is his song over you. This is what his kingdom is about. It's not about what you have for him. It's about what he has for you. So Paul's just going to sing this. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're going to pray, and you're just going to receive it. You're just going to receive the words. All your job is is to say, Lord, I want to believe these things about how you feel about me. Holy Spirit, would you help me experience the Father's love? Would you help me receive what God is saying to me, what he wants to say to me this morning? And we'll just see where it goes from there. We're going to have the prayer ministers. We'll start praying for people in a little while. We have 15 minutes, so you have to get your kids. So we'll just start there. 